recovery is um, going smoothly, that your families are okay. Um, talk about this more in a little bit, but um, if there are needs in your family that we can help meet, then I'm trusting you to let me know that now and not in a couple of months when you're mad at me because we didn't help your family. Um, so just let me know. Um, we're going to talk uh, for a few minutes tonight. I'd planned on kind of beginning a new series sort of deal. Um, we're going to wait um, probably till next week because um, I just really felt that just, we just needed to talk about some stuff. Um, I, uh, tonight will be, it'll just be a little bit different than what we normally do or the way I normally approach things. Um, several years ago, I kind of talked through some of this stuff. And um, so normally what... What the way I like to do it is take like one text and kind of pick it apart. Um, we're going to kind of hop around a lot tonight, and then we have a lot to cover. Um, and it's not all about hurricanes, but it's kind of about hurricanes. Um, obviously, we had the, the one-two punch this past week. Um, those who live in Baton Rouge, we were kind of spared a lot of, of Ike, but most of our state really got, got hammered. And um, still, once again, you won't see that on any kind of news coverage um, but there's a, there's a lot of a lot of flooding, a lot of bad stuff from Ike. You know, we're still trying to recover from Gustav and whatever. Um, at the the same time, all this is going on, you watch CNN and they can't decide what to cover more of um, Ike or the presidential election or the uh, the train wreck in LA where um, 25 people were killed um, because of human error or the flooding that's in the Chicago area that's so bad right now. Like they're ju trying to juggle all these these really like terrible stories. Uh, there's a plane crash in Russia that kills 88 people. Um, all this stuff is going on like right now at the same time. And the truth is, these kind of things, they go on all the time. Um, we don't always get that from news coverage or whatever, but there's just constantly, constantly bad stuff happening all over the world. Um, I was just kind of looking, uh, you know, there's this great website called Wikipedia, and um, the thing about it that makes it so great is that um, anybody can go in and edit it so you know you're getting the most accurate information. Um, a little office quote for you guys. Um, and so I was looking on Wikipedia, and you, of course you always jump down to see if they're quoting you know, sources that you can trust. And I uh, was just kind of uh, putting in some of the different like big natural disaster kind of things um, that I've heard about. Um, in Myanmar, they had the cyclone uh, that killed 146,000 people um, that just rolled in and just mowed the place down. 146,000 dead, even more obviously missing. Um, the earthquake in China killed 69,000. Um, 374,000 were injured. 18,000 are missing um, still. Um, Katrina, 1,800 were killed. 9-11, uh, 2,900 were killed. Um, I mean... And those are just the, the big, the, that's just the big stuff. And there's stuff that goes on all the time, uh, all over the world. There's just constantly all this bad stuff going on. And it feels kind of weird 
to, to know all that's happening, and we get to come into here and sing these great songs about how good and powerful and mighty our God is. Um, and that is one of the big things that people throw at Christianity, that people who, who disagree with Christianity, one of their, their biggest arguments is that there's no way that all this stuff is going on in this world where this great, loving, powerful, um, all-knowing God is just letting this stuff go on. There's, there's just no way. And what I want us to do tonight is not necessarily um, to come up with this like surefire argument for people in, you work with or people you're in class with who'll come at you. You know, it's not about uh, let's let's go pick fights and win. Um, what I want us to do is I want us as believers to not just like put our fingers in our ear, our ears and close our eyes and whistle and pretend like those things aren't going on, and and to not pretend like um, at at first glance, those things, they don't match up. And for so long, I grew up in a church where you just, you, you didn't explore that hard stuff. You know, you just accepted the fact that God's in control and you don't question that. If you question any of it, then you obviously don't have faith. And the Bible says, don't doubt. You know, if you doubt, then you're messed up or whatever. And, and so there was just, for so long, it was like, you don't ask those tough questions because that means you aren't trusting. But from what I can tell, God designed us with these brains to think and to analyze things. And the truth is, the more you dig into it and the more you ask the hard questions and you are not afraid to wrestle with those things, what happens to your faith is that it doesn't, it, it doesn't get rattled to the point where you depart from Christ altogether and you never want anything to do with the church. The more you dig into it, it has the opposite effect. The more, the more you latch on and the more that we see. And so we're going to kind of look at um, the problem of evil, and it's going to be really difficult to uh, effectively like cover up this stuff without spreading it out into several weeks and all this kind of stuff, but we're just going to do it in one night, and you're just going to get this big chunk of stuff, and then you can take it or leave it. Does that sound good? All right, no response means yes. Let's look at this. Um, there, there are some, some truths that, that exist uh, all at the same time in Christianity that kind of create this tension or whatever, and so here's what they are. Um, we believe that God exists. Uh, we believe that God is uh, omnibenevolent, omnipotent, and omniscient. So he's all good, he is all uh, powerful, and he is all knowing uh, all the time. Um, we believe that God created the world, and obviously evil exists in the world. What creates this tension is that all these things are true all at the same time. Okay? So you can take one of them out, and it kind of like things go away. All right? So you can... You can look at, at that list and you can take away God existing and everything, everything kind of fixes itself, you know. Or you can take away God creating the world and you're like, oh, well, then it's just all kind of chance and God didn't know either and whatever. Um, or you take one of those three things that describe God and you take one of those out and it kind of, kind of helps you, um, you know, see it. But the problem is that the, the Bible teaches that all these things are true all at the same time. And so um, you, you can scratch off the bottom one because we know that evil exists, whether it's from people um, just people, you know, creating evil, or it's like natural disasters, or it's disease, or whatever. There are these things that are bad that we'll call evil. Um, so you know that one's true. Uh, we believe that God created the world, um, so you can't really pick on that one. Uh, we believe that God exists, because you definitely don't want to pick on that one. Um, those three things are, are, are kind of where, where there's some, like, some give and take, I, I think. And so we either have to take one of those out or we have to explore what those things really mean and make sure that we understand them all. So we're going to look at those three things real quick. The next slide kind of breaks them down. 
Um, omnibenevolent, omnipotent, omniscient. Um, big words that mean some pretty simple things. Um, I ask you to turn to Psalm 145, verse 8 and 9. It's one of the many texts where we come away with believing that God is um, completely good, thoroughly good. Um, there is no, no badness in Him anywhere. Um, look at verse 8. It says, The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and His mercy is over all that He has made. Love those verses. Love songs that come from those verses. Love everything about that. We um, are all about the goodness of God, that we serve a good God, that He has been good to us, that His goodness to us is passed on to others. Um, I don't, I don't think anybody would, would disagree with that. Um, he is all good. He is all loving. His purposes are good as well because His purposes reflect who He is. Um, and so one thing that you can say is if, if God is omnibenevolent, if He is all good, then he should, he should want to stop that hurricane from hitting Myanmar and killing um, all those people, right? He should want there to be um, a, a cure for AIDS, right? Like that's, that's what He should want. Because if he's all good and he's all loving and he is gracious and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and good to all and merciful over all that he has made, then he should want to bring an end to those things. And so omnibenevolent is not the issue because it is completely consistent with the character of God to want those hurricanes to stop and those earthquakes to, to not happen and for those trains to not collide and those planes to not crash. That is completely consistent with who God is. Right, so omnibenevolent, not really the one that we can mess with. The, the next one, um, omnipotent, if you flip back to Psalm 65, and I won't be offended if you're like, look, I didn't come to Bible drill, you know, uh, whatever. If you don't want to flip, then you don't have to flip. I won't be offended by the lack of page sounds. Um, Psalm 65, 5 and 7, one of the texts deals with the power of God. It says, by awesome deeds you answer us with righteousness, O God of our salvation, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas, the one who by his strength established the mountains, being girded with might, who stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of the waves, the tumult of the people. You know, you read that and you're like, okay, if God is... Um, if he is um, omnipotent, if he is all-powerful, if he can, if he can uh, speak the mountains into existence, and if he can bring the seas to complete calm, if he has all that power, then, then he should want to use it, right? So he could have Hurricane Ike coming in and bearing down on Galveston and Houston, and he could just make it go away, right? I mean, that's his, that's his power. Um, he should be able to stop the evil that is out there. And you read that, and the issue is not at all, is he able to do it? He is more than able to do it. You read those verses, and there's stuff all throughout the Bible that talks about his might and his strength, and he is able. But here's the thing, um, just because he's all-powerful doesn't mean that he can do anything. That's, we kind of connect all that together, but there are, you know, you've probably heard this before, there's plenty of stuff God can't do. God can't lie, all right? He can't. Uh, impossible for him. Um, he can't uh, create a self-contradiction. 
he can't do something that is against his own nature. He can't, basically, he, he has to be consistent with his own character and his own nature all the time. And so here's something that we, like, as humans, we, we have to really, like, under, seek to understand this. Just because he doesn't do something doesn't mean that he can't do something. Because he doesn't doesn't mean that he can't. I mean, I could do some serious, like, jujitsu moves on Hank Hughes right now in front of you. But just because I don't doesn't mean that I can't. Because I can. See, he's, he's trying not to look. You scared? There you are. Just because God doesn't stop the, some of these evils from happening whether they're natural disasters or they're people or, you know, whatever, um, just because he doesn't stop them doesn't mean that he can't stop them. And just because it seems to us that he hasn't stopped them doesn't mean that he won't in the future. Who's to say that Hurricane Ike could have been a five? Maybe it's the grace and mercy and power of God that it downgraded to a two when it came in. Who knows? How are, how are we to know that? See, that's the thing, is his power um, falls under the, the guidance of his sovereignty. So just because he doesn't, doesn't mean that he can't. It's not a, the issue is not, is, is he able? The issue is, does he or does he not? And so omnipotence is not the, the issue either. So if it's not omnibenevolence, okay, because he, he is all good, and so he wants to stop things, and the issue is not omnipotence, because um, he is all-powerful, and he is able to stop things from happening, the real issue for us to, like, get in and, and try to unpack is that third one, is omniscience. That he is all-knowing. And so... It would be to, we could take that out of the equation. He could be completely good and completely powerful, but if he doesn't see it coming, then, oh, you know, okay, caught him off guard too. But if he knows it's going to happen, if he looks down the, you know, the timeline of history and he knows everything that is going to happen and when and how and all this kind of stuff, um, that's really where, where that tension comes from for us. Um, if you look at Romans 11... Um, Romans 11 and Colossians 1 both kind of deal with uh, these same ideas. I'm just going to read 11 to you. Um, we see his omniscience in many passages of Scripture. Um, community groups this week are going to start a three-week series on Psalm 139 that deals with his, his omniscience and him knowing us personally. Um, verse 33 in Romans 11 says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. So if he is all-knowing, then he should apply his love and apply his power to the evils that are out there, right? I mean, that would be the, the conclusion we'd have to come to. You know, use that power, use that love to spare lives, to keep destruction from, from coming to people. Um, do it. And you know when it's coming, and you know exactly what's going to happen, and, and you know everything, you know. 
Just do it. And what happens in the midst of this argument is something um, very humbling begins to be revealed to us. That you and I have a perspective that is very, very, very small. God sees this infinite picture of what is going on with us now, where things are headed. He's got this kingdom that he is the king over. He's got this plan that has been um, implemented and is being carried out through uh, Jesus and through the church. And um, he looks at history so differently than you and I do. You and I look at it as how things affect us. And, um, and that's not a bad thing. Because sometimes those evils that are out there affect you and I in, so intimately, it's, it's just scary. You might not be affected by the earthquake um, in Asia, but there are some evils that impact your life every single day. And so I'm not saying that our perspective is, complete, is so terrible and evil and we're so pathetic for even thinking that way. Because God created us with this very limited perspective on what's going on. It's not a bad thing to be a human and to think the way he created us to think and to react the way he created us to react and to look at a tree laying on your house and be like, this, is, I, this makes me mad. That's fine. I don't think God's like, I thought you trusted me. You have little faith. No. He created us with emotions and thoughts and, and all those things have been redeemed by Jesus and so, um, the, the thing is not our perspective. The, thing, the, the bad thing is when our perspective is the only perspective that we consider. Is when we forget the fact that, that Jesus, who loves us, and who powerfully holds us and guides us and hymns us in, as it says in Psalm 139, and, and just his sovereign way of just loving us, protecting us, we forget the fact that he sees so much more than we do. And our, our position in the status of the universe is revealed when evil starts to happen. Because the control slips through our fingers and there's nothing we can do about it. And all that we're left with is just in the most humble and empty-handed way, just being like, you are God and I am not. I don't understand this. This hurts. This is painful. This is not fair. And then we realize the bigness of our Savior. And we go from being the centerpiece of the universe to being a child that's sitting at the table of the king who graciously made a place for us there. And he puts food in front of us and he says, this is your seat. It will always be your seat. No one can take this seat from you. You will always... Um, have everything that you need because I am the king. It is logically possible that God allows bad things to happen because of the greater good that's going to come from it. I'm not saying I like it. I'm not saying that I'm completely cool with you know this or whatever. I, it, it, the more I dig into it, the more questions I have, the more frustrated I get. Um, in, in, in a lot of ways, 
But it is logically possible that God, seeing the big picture, allows things to happen because of the good that's going to happen here. And sometimes he's going to let us go through stuff that's just tough. And he's God. And it does not in any way diminish his omniscience. It just highlights who we are. And maybe in a lot of ways our ignorance to the big picture. We talk a lot about how God's not random. And so when you look at Scripture and you see that He is all completely good and completely powerful and completely knowing of everything, every detail of everything that's going to happen on the earth all the way down to our little bitty lives. Um, you start to define some of those terms and you go back to that list of things that are all true at the same time and we have to say, I can see how all that is there. It doesn't all make sense. And that's why, um, that's why we aren't religious. That's why we, we have a faith that we practice. You know? It's a big difference. And so we have to come to God and I'd say, I don't understand why uh, two hurricanes in a row um, hit Terrebonne Parish. And, you know, I don't understand. It makes no sense. We're going to have to be in a place where we're like, you know what, I, I don't, it, it doesn't make sense, and I, I desperately want to understand it, but me trusting you is not uh, hinging on my understanding. You know? Me walking in obedience and trusting you and being faithful is, is not contingent on the fact that I have to be able to explain on paper why things are the way they are. Sometimes we have to say, God, this hurts, and in the midst of this hurting, I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to keep walking. So, go back to that list. We believe that God exists. We believe that God created the world. We know that evil exists in the world. We believe that God is all good and all um, powerful and all knowing, all at the same time, completely thoroughly. And so, when you start to explore those things, there aren't as many con contradictions as there seem to be. And it's important for us as Christians to, to be able to stand in the midst of people really questioning us, and one, to understand where they're coming from, because it does seem to kind of go against each other. At the same time, we have to be confident in who our God is. Because the hurricanes aren't going to stop. And the plane crashes aren't going to stop, and the earthquakes are not going to stop, and disease is going to be there, and bad stuff is going to keep happening. And why is that? I want to give you a couple of things that some smart people have come up with. I'm going to give you two things that a not-so-smart person came up with. Um, I'll give you six, six like, like common ways, and, and these are not answers, Okay. These are maybe just some things to think about. I'm just going to run through them real quick. Um, these are some of the typical ways that Christians respond to the problem of, of evil. Um, the first one has kind of been dubbed uh, free will. Um, the idea that evil is a result of the misuse of human free will. Um, in the Garden of Eden, God set it all up and he gave Adam and Eve a choice. And they made the wrong choice. And that kind of set a pattern. And so there are going to be people out there who make the wrong choice. 
And it's not about pointing a finger, and it's not about all that kind of stuff, but God, in his sovereignty, didn't want to make us robots, you know? He didn't want to make us love him. He wanted us to choose to love him. And so I'm not trying to make some big statement about Calvinism or whatever. It's not about that. But one way that we can respond is that, you know what? Those hijackers who flew the planes into uh, all that stuff on September 11th, bad choices. Doesn't mean it's okay. It doesn't mean we should go to the 9-11 memorials and just go hug the people who are mourning their family members and say, yep, that dang free will. You wouldn't do that. Don't do that. But unfortunately, um, that is, it is true. Um, another thing that people say um, is has been called the soul building model. Um, not like, well, you know. Um, in Romans 5, uh, it's kind of where this comes from. Um, verse 3, it says, More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who's been given to us. Um, the idea that suffering is one way that God refines his people. Uh, my friend Rob, he says that uh, suffering is the sharpest chisel in God's toolbox that he uses to conform us to the image of Christ. You, you read the progression. Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. Hope does not disappoint. Um, we can look at the difficult things we go through and you can see how God just shapes you through that so much. You watch people come out on the other side of something difficult and they're, so, they're just so different. And if Jesus is not involved, people come out worse on the other end. But if Jesus is in the mix the whole time and the body is in the mix, people come out and they, they're, just, they're just better. So some would say that that is one way that we deal with the problem of evil in the world, that God uses it. Um, C.S. Lewis said that pain is God's megaphone to uh, arouse a deaf world. And certainly nothing gets our attention quite like pain and suffering. Uh, the third thing um, is, has been called the doxological model. Um, throw that one out there in the discussion. Um, this is saying that evil is the backdrop for God's glory. Um, not that this is why like God doesn't necessarily... Uh, let this evil go on to make himself look good. But this is just kind of a, kind of a byproduct of what happens. Um, it's like, um, you know, a, it's a jeweler that has a, little, a bag full of diamonds and they lay down this black piece of cloth and then they put the, the diamonds on them because the black makes the diamonds shine even more. You know, they wouldn't put, you know, a piece of saran wrap down there, you know. Um, that was random. Uh, they put that black cloth because the black brings out the... the all the important stuff about the diamond. Um, it, it's, it's amazing in the midst of difficult stuff. Sometimes when you sing some of these songs and you walk through difficult times, you're just overwhelmed with the goodness of God because in the face of tragedy, there he is. He's, he's there, just like the song that we just sang. I mean, all is lost, find him there because there he is. 
And so somehow those things make his glory and his goodness shine even brighter. Um, it's, a, it's a byproduct. Uh, another thing is called a uh, Christological model. Um, that evil allows us to experience God in a unique and powerful way. Think about the guys in the fiery furnace. Um, they experience God in a unique and powerful way in the midst of bad stuff. Um, in the book of Job, uh, I think these verses are coming up here. You know, Job had been through pretty much the worst thing uh, ever, and he has this amazing statement at the end of it. Um, did I give you that? One? Yeah. Um, it says, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. He's going through all this stuff or whatever, and, and he just makes this statement. And in another translation, it says, um, My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Sometimes you walk through those dark days, and you're just like, I have never known Jesus this well, because he has been my everything. I don't know why it is that way, but sometimes through the, the greatest of days, you just don't sometimes don't think twice about Jesus. But man, when you get that bad news, he's faithful. Another thing, another uh, response is the eschatological model. I didn't practice that word. Um, this is basically eschatology talks about the coming of Christ. And so um, some would say, you know what, it's bad now, but he's going to do something about it. There's coming a day when he, it's all going to come to an end. Evil had a beginning, and evil will have an end. And once he has done something about it, we're good. It's kind of that last verse of those old hymns. You know, it always talks about heaven in the last verse. We don't have a lot of last verse kind of songs anymore. But there needs to be a part of us that's like, this world is terrible. I hate it here, you know. And we've got to be able to look, um, look down the road. Just Not that that makes everything okay, but it certainly does bring hope. Like, I'm so glad that Jesus is going to come back and take care of all this stuff. That, to know that it won't always be this way. The sixth one um, is the redemptive model. That God is there in our suffering with us. Um, we talked last week at Southside, at Psalm 34, 18. It says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. And 46, 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Sometimes just as we're suffering, it's weird, but... It's like you sense the presence of God in a way that you maybe haven't before. And like we talked about last week, about through His church, um, His nearness is made known to those who've been suffering from these hurricanes and stuff. The same is true for the churches in L.A. responding to the train wreck and in Chicago with the flooding and in Russia with the plane crash. And I mean, you go on and on and on. Um, the two that I would add to the list, um, one is directly related to what I just said. It's basically what I just said. Um, I think that one thing about evil that we have to recognize is this, it provides a context for the church to shine brighter than ever. Um, there are lots of people in Baton Rouge and in South Louisiana who, had, who 
could not name five churches, you know. But after some of these hurricanes hit, some of the churches in Baton Rouge and in our area just responded so powerfully. They made a name for themselves to the point where government officials call on some of these churches, you know, to help. And you listen to the guys on WJBO and they can't talk enough. You know, they're just blown away by um, the responses of some of the churches, you know. Provides that opportunity. We sing a song that comes from Philippians 2, um, 14. It says, Do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. In the midst of all this pain, to, sh- to be able to shine, I'm not saying God's like, all right, I'm going to bring these two hurricanes back to back so the churches can look good. I mean, maybe. I mean, he's got to do what he wants. But we have to look at this stuff not only as, as how we are personally affected. You deal with that. You also have to look at the big picture and say, look, this, is, this provides an opportunity for Jesus to become more famous because people who know Jesus are willing to come and help you clear your yard out. You know, People who know Jesus, are, are, they've been throwing money in these offering plates so that when the time comes and you need to buy tarps or get truckloads of ice or pull your resources and cook for a neighborhood or whatever, they're willing to do that. And so when bad stuff happens, it's just this opportunity for his church. And the last thing that I would add is that, you know, this bad stuff that happens, um, it's really about the gospel, which sounds kind of weird. It highlights the fact that the world is just broken. That when Adam and Eve sinned, um, the, the snake got cursed, which is why we hate snakes. Read it. That's basically what it says. Um, the, the snake got cursed. Um, Eve got cursed, so all women were cursed. Which, and her curse is where it's going to hurt when you uh, bear children. And um, you have to be married to him. <laughs> That's your curse. <laughs> um, Adam was cursed. And that the food was no longer going to just come to him all easily. And it, God cursed the ground. He's like, you're going to have to work for your food, and the earth is going to work against you. And I have to look at that and believe that the, the weather patterns that we see are not just this coincidence. I think it's evidence of what happened a long time ago. And this podcast, I may end up on some crazy blog or something now because I just said that. And me and Sarah Palin will get attacked by The View or something tomorrow <laughs> for saying that uh, God brought this or whatever. I'm not, I'm not saying that, all right? I'm not saying that uh, anything crazy, all right? Just telling you this. When you look at all the bad stuff, it's got to highlight the fact that our world needs Jesus. It has to. We have to look at that messed up stuff, and a part of our reaction has got to be, that's why Jesus came. That is it. That's why he came. We have to let it affect us. We have to help people deal with it. We have to do all this stuff, but the overarching idea is that the world is broken, and Jesus came to fix it. 
It doesn't answer all the questions, but it does reframe our response. And I'm really glad that Jesus came to fix it. I don't understand how people walk through some of this stuff without him. No idea. You might be here, and this might all sound foreign to you, or maybe you're walking through something and it just hasn't occurred to you until tonight to ask Jesus to step into this difficulty with you. It might have nothing to do with a hurricane or a plane crash. It might have to do with something going on in your family. Maybe you don't know how you're going to pay your next bill. Um, maybe you've got to have a tough conversation, whatever it is. We're, just, we're going to sing a little bit more, and we're going to ask Jesus to step into those things. We're going to acknowledge, acknowledge the fact that um, his, um, his all goodness and all, um, well, that, that was a bad sentence. Um, his goodness and his power and his knowledge is not something he just applies to natural disasters. It fits into your life, fits into my life. Let me, let me pray for us. God, we're very grateful that, um, that we're not in this stuff alone. And as difficult as life can be, and as confusing as the events are around us sometimes, we're grateful that in your, um, in your wisdom, you chose not to leave us alone. You have given us your very spirit. You've given us one another. And God, so often we ask you to take away things from us. Take away pain, take away confusion. And God, when, when Paul asked you to take something away, you basically told him no. And you told him that your grace was all that he needed. Your grace was sufficient. And so, Father, we, we want to apply that to our lives. And whether we're dealing with big picture evils or just difficult stuff in our individual lives, that truth applies to all of us and everywhere in between. That you've given us everything we need because you've given us access to you. So God, we just ask you to meet us where we are. not as we should be, but where we are tonight. We love you and we're just thankful. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.